This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Uh, I chose to talk about a topic tonight that I know applies to everyone in LA. I'm going to talk about sex uh, tonight. And uh, so that's, that's where we're at. Um, I released a book this year that, honestly, I'll say about this book this. It wasn't like I finished my last book, so I was like, what do I want to write about? And so, oh, I'll, I'll just write about this. The honest truth about this book is that I felt so convicted about the need for this book to exist that I feel like it would have been sin for me not to write it. Because the Bible says when you know to do good and you don't do it, to him is accounted as sin. And so I can honestly say before the Lord, it was not like I even wanted to write it or like, you're welcome, I wrote it. It was like, if I didn't, it was sin. So like, what choice did I have? And um, I wrote the book that I wished I could have read on sex when I was 14. And my next door neighbor showed me the big stack of pornographic magazines that he had discovered in his dad's garage. And no one told me back then that it takes only 10 minutes to look at a Playboy, but 20 years to forget what you saw. And so I wish I could have read this book uh, back then. But I, I can't go back in time and give this book to young Levi, but I can give it to you. And uh, so hopefully uh, my hindsight can become your foresight. And um, if, you, um, if you don't even think this applies to your life, this book's all about marriage, sex, dating. It's called Swipe Right. Um, if it doesn't apply to you, buy it for somebody in your life because I hope it will encourage them. Um, um, if you already are married, you're like, it doesn't apply to me. Oh, no, there's a chapter in here called Date Your Mate or the Devil Will Find Someone Who Will. So that one should be good. Um, there's another one I really like called The Problem with Pineapples. It's really interesting. Pineapples. Um, they, did you know that when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue? I know it's controversial. Uh, Columbus, L.A., sorry. Um, but it happened. And uh, when it did, um, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Um, pineapples were discovered in the New World. Interesting. Um, and they brought them back to Europe, and people were freaking out over them. They're like, what is this fruit? It's juicy like an apple, but shaped like a pine cone. And so they called it a pineapple. And people went nuts over them in Europe. And so much so that at the height of the pineapple craze, um, a pineapple would be sold for today's equivalent of $8,000. Yeah. Uh, but they wouldn't eat them. Most people, if they could get one, they would just display it until it rotted. Uh, they would have viewing parties. Can you imagine people coming over to your house and they're like scandalously <laughs> unveiling a pineapple? Uh, at the height of this pineapple mania in the 1500s, it, I mean, if you go to London, St. Paul's Cathedral, there's a giant pineapple dome. That's why. It was, that was from this era. Today, it's just like a tchotchke from Williams and Sonoma. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's not my sermon. It's just one of the chapters I really like in the book. But... Um, but, but basically, uh, they say at the height of all of this in the 1500s, to have a taste of pineapple in your mouth would have been the defining moment of your life and the ultimate symbol of luxury and privilege. But, but nowadays, nobody cares <laughs> because Dole uh, made all these plantations and uh, the advent of the steamship and the pineapple you know, expressway, it brought them everywhere. And uh, so, so I guess you could say it's, it's easy come, easy go. 
And, and maybe there's a correlation with sex because at one point sex was to be something super rare, guarded, this beautiful, protected experience you would over, only ever have with one person in, in your entire life. And, and I guess sex with everyone is kind of the same thing as sex with no one. But that's not my sermon tonight. It's just one of the chapters I like. Um, <laughs> swipe right. Um, before we dive in, I mean, I, I can't. It's 240 pages. Like I said, it, it, it was, this is distilling a decade of work and, into a book. But, um, but I can just give you a couple big points. But we got to start here. There's a lot of swiping going on. Can we agree with that? There's a lot of swiping going on. Like just of every kind. Um, they say in America, on average, every day, we touch our phones 150 times. Swiping across the screens of our phones. That's once every six minutes. Or to put it another way, over the course of the rest of my sermon, the, uh, on average, we would touch our phone four and a half times um, in the next 26 minutes. Isn't that crazy? It's, we're doing it so often that many Americans are developing something called phantom vibration sensation, which is where you feel your phone buzz, so you pull it out to check it, and it didn't buzz. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Huh. I could have sworn I felt a buzz. Oh, well, just grab something on Amazon that is in my cart. <laughs> Honest to God, who's done that in the last little, yeah, it's freaky, huh? I find the weirdest one for me is when I am sitting there at a restaurant eating a salad or whatever. What am I talking about? Cheeseburger, right? <laughs> I'll just touch my phone to light it up and just be comforted like, hmm, you're still there. Like, are you checking the time? Not really, just... Just seeing that you're still there, buddy, poke. <laughs> poke. But, but, but what is with the new iPhone when it dies? How ultra creepy is touching the home button when it's not got life back in it? It's like, oh, who are you? <laughs> what have you done with my friend? I... What does this have to do with sex, Levi? Um, stay with me. Technology has so enmeshed itself into our lives that it now is uh, permanently in, entangled in with sexuality. Uh, both because of internet porn, which is approximately 36% of the data online and amounts to one out of four Google searches. One out of three 13-year-old boys in America is a heavy porn user with the average watching 50 clips a week. So just consuming, consuming, consuming porn. There are now porn detox camps uh, where, where young kids are going and just, they feel helpless. They have no idea it's affecting their grades. Um, the CNN ran an article called The Demise of Guys. Uh, they said young men in America are doing worse than girls in almost every regard. You're like, which regard would that be? Uh, rates of graduating high school, physical health, uh, self-esteem, like every way there is to be doing worse. And uh, in the conclusive study done by someone from Harvard that CNN referred to uh, literally said the two biggest factors is porn and video games, which are rewiring us on the inside. But let's not even talk about porn. Let's talk about uh, now these dating apps. You just OkCupid, Hinge, Happen, Plenty of Fish, and the billion others that are being developed in Silicon Valley, even as we speak. Uh, but there's also the 800-pound gorilla that kind of started the party, and that's Tinder, which, of course, the title of my book is a playoff of the primary feature where you swipe left if you're not interested in somebody. I'm explaining to you because I'm assuming none of you are on this app. Uh, <laughs> great time to silence your phone, FYI. <laughs> You get a Tinder notification while I'm preaching this sermon, you go straight to hell. I am telling you right now. 
swipe right if you are interested. And once someone swipes right on you, that you swiped right on them, you then can move towards marriage, which is the idea behind <laughs> the app. Well, after he asks your dad, I mean, uh, we're not forward or getting fresh here. It's a big deal. You're like, how big of a deal is it? Uh, they, when I was researching the book, uh, had just hit their trillionth swipe. That's with a T, trillionth. Uh, the New York Post ran an article about how in New York, 80% uh, of young men, 18 to 24-year-olds, are on Tinder, 80%. 60% of young women in New York, and of course, as they, they say, so as goes New York and LA, so goes the nation. So this is a preview of uh, where our culture is headed when it comes to sexuality. Uh, the Tinder experience has made having sex with a stranger as easy as calling for an Uber. And um, it would be one thing if this was just being used to facilitate what was normally the steps towards courtship, but it's used, being used primarily instead of any attempt at a relationship. It's not like, oh, I want to meet a girlfriend and get married, so I'll just use this as a way to get there. Many people, I read in a uh, a, a long magazine in, in, in Vanity Fair on the subject, uh, especially young women were saying, guys have no interest in, in any relationship of any kind. Uh, they, they interviewed uh, a lot of different ones, and they kept using this phrase, young men, men in our day just want to hit it and quit it. Hit it and quit it. Not interested in the drama of a relationship. Saw how that works for my parents. Instead, I just have this biological urge, so I'll satisfy it using this app. But... Uh, many studies I've read and articles I've read say there's, there also is a corresponding deadness inside and a numbness inside. Uh, to quote the New York Post article I referenced, uh, this turnstile approach to relationships has a way of wearing down the idea of even finding the hope of a fulfilling long-term relationship. Um, and some describe it almost like in terms that you would use to describe like a drug addiction. Almost like I, I, I feel powerless to stop, but, but still there I am reinstalling the app that I've deleted a hundred times. So this is what's happening in our culture. Uh, the real question, of course, we should be asking is at what cost? Because according to uh, the, the law of, you know, of, of the universe, there's an equal and opposite reaction for every action. So if this is what we're doing, and it's unprecedented, unpre complete, there's no, what precedent could there be? Right? In, in, in the whole of human history, never before has there been uh, the digital uh, interface of technology and, and, and all of this as, as we're seeing today. So, so it's all happening, of course, in real time, and we are lab rats in this experiment. Um, the title for the book, Swipe Right, is a, a playful nod to the fact that there's more than one definition of the word right. And I think the problem is that we live in a world where we just look at things in terms of should I swipe left or should I swipe right. But that gets you into trouble. Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says that Moses, he looked this way left, looked that way right, and when he saw no one, the coast was clear, he killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. Moses thought the coast was clear because he looked this way and looked that way. What he didn't realize was he needed to look this way. And that's the right direction to look. Come on, I wrote this book to help us look up and swipe right, to live in God's sight in a way that's right. We can't just be looking, do I feel good? Should I do this? Is this okay? Now Moses acted on a good desire. His desire was to avenge his Israelites and overtake the Egyptians. That was what God had for him, ultimately. 
but not by burying one Egyptian pitifully in the sand, but by burying the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea after they crossed over on dry land. So he was acting on a good desire in a wrong way and in his own timing. And, uh, and, and that always creates uh, regret. And Moses would spend 40 years dealing with the painful uh, results of, of acting on his desire here in this day. So what do I want to tell you about sex tonight? And some of you, you should see your faces. You almost look shocked like, dang, this is, this, are we in church? Like, what is happening here? Like, this, we're just talking Tinder. Is this how it's going to be? Like, and, and that would only seem shocking to you if you grew up in a church, which honestly, it, to some degree, I did, where the pastor spent a lot of the time answering questions that no one was asking. Meanwhile, the real issues that plagued and destroyed our lives go unspoken to. Right? It's like, it's like the pastor's up on the stage talking about Gog and Magog and who the Antichrist might be one day. And we're like, that's fine, but I am drowning in credit card debt. My marriage is hanging out by a thread, and I am addicted to pornography. It's like, let's, listen, this book has a lot to say about the issues that we deal with every single day. And you should thank God you are in a church where the preaching hits you right where you live. And your pastor would invite me in to speak on this topic. Or he doesn't know what's happening and you'll never see me again. One of the two. It's fine. Either way. I got a hot wife. I'm good. So here's the deal. First thing on record I want to tell you about this topic. I'm kidding. Chad endorsed the book. Okay, listen. Is this. Write it down. God wants you to have amazing sex. It's true. And you responded to that so badly. Right? What if you never had any? It's amazing. Okay. He does. And I can prove it to you. He invented it. It was his idea. Like, does it, isn't it just so funny that the devil loves to run it up the flagpole like it was his invention? It's like, fool, I got the patent on the wall in my office. What are you even talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, like God invented sex. It was his idea. He came up with the plan. Uh, Adam's in the garden naming animals, right? It's a great story. Um, buffalo, rhinoceros. Like, that was early on. Later in the day, zzz, fly. <laughs> You're so lazy. Um, but Adam's all alone, and he's lonely, one tear. And so God has this plan to rescue Adam from his aloneness. So poof, marriage is invented. Uh, the Bible says God cast a deep sleep over Adam. And when Adam woke up, there she was, Eve. <laughs> and he liked what he saw. And God the Father gave away the bride at the world's first wedding. And then as the pastor officiated the ceremony and blessed their union, blessed everything about it. And Adam was happy. Adam liked it. We know he did because he wrote a poem on the spot. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Which is basically the Old Testament equivalent of if you had a twin, I would still choose you, girl. I mean, he is, he is <laughs> quoting Drake. He didn't even know it. And God wasn't offended. He wasn't like, Adam, get your mind out of the gutter, right? I mean, he brought the guy a naked wife. I think he knew what was going to happen next, you know? <laughs> and he knew that sex was pleasurable, okay? Pleasurable. Sex is pleasurable. It feels good, and that's, that's part of the plan. But God knows it's also powerful. And because it's powerful, it came with instructions for our safety. All powerful things are this way. You go buy a chainsaw at Home Depot, as one does, it's going to come with rules. It's going to come with instructions. Now, are you automatically going to assume that Home Depot just doesn't want you to have any fun? You're going to be like, no, I mean, you give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't want you to chop your freaking leg off, right? Like, why do we assume positive intent from Home Depot and not on God? 
The moment God starts telling us what to do and what not to do, we're like, oh, he doesn't want me having fun. What a killjoy, right? Oh. <laughs> like, I assume God knows a few things that I don't know. I am only 35 years old. He doesn't even have a birthday. Like, what are we talking about? Of course he knows things that we don't know. Like, I'm like Lennox going, like, all right, I want sex the way I want it. Like, it's like God has our plans that are for our good. And I think if we start there, God is good, then we'll just, everything else goes a lot easier. Anybody with me on that? So, all right. So sex is pleasurable, but it's also powerful. And God knows that when you take what he's told you not to touch, it can keep you from experiencing what he wants you to have. So it comes to the marriage bed, as it came to the fruit on the forbidden tree. God, after he gave this gift of sexuality, he spoke over it, Genesis 2.24, the passage of primary reference on human sexuality. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his flesh, his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is the marriage bed being introduced. This is referred back to by Jesus, who not only affirmed it, he also tagged onto it, therefore what a man, what God has joined together, let no man draw asunder. So he was basically validating this invention of God, which is where we're supposed to enjoy this gift of sexuality. And the enemy wants us to distort from it and to turn from it and to redefine it. And he does so with a bunch of lies. And I exposed some of them in the book. I, wanna, I picked out three to speak uh, to you about tonight. The first lie about sex that you might believe is this. Sex is just a physical activity. Just your body. Just two bodies going bump in the night. What does it matter, you know? This is more and more how millennials and younger view sexuality. It's just a physical interaction. So as long as you take the proper precautions, right, uh, then everything's fine because it's just your body. Here's what the Bible says. False. That's false. It's not just your body. It involves you on the deepest possible level. It involves your heart. It involves your soul. It involves all of you. You bring all of yourself into the marriage bed. Uh, you're like, no, no, no. It's safe sex I'm having. Oh, really? Well, guess what, pal? There's not a condom big enough to fit over your soul. And all of that is involved in sex. It's how Paul put it, 1 Corinthians 6. He said there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As it's written in Scripture, the two become one. And when you scramble two eggs, you can't unscramble them. Sex is gluing your heart to someone. And when you glue two pieces of paper together, you can tear them apart for sure. But there always will be impact one on the other. And so you can't walk away from a, a one-night stand or a casual encounter and not be different for it because there's a mingling of souls that happens that, 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 that is more than can be summarized on a, on, a, on a spreadsheet or looked at by a microscope. There's something invisible that happens that impacts you in the experience. So even if there was no such thing as STDs, which there are, FYI, right, uh, and, 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 and proliferating. 40 years ago, the average doctor only needed to know how to treat two STDs. The average doctor today needs to know how to treat 25 different ones. Because there's just, there's mutating strains and it's crazy and HPV and all this madness. And one out of four teenage girls in America has at least one. And it's just, it's, it's out of control. It uh, leads to cancer a lot and, and all of this stuff, especially with HPV. But, but that's not even the big issue because what's happening to you on the inside, on the invisible you, and how that marks you moving forward. That leads to our second lie. Second lie about sex that you might have been told, maybe you came in here believing tonight. And that lie is this. I can do what I want and have what God wants. 
And I think this is the lie that we tell ourselves because we have properly understood grace. And grace tells us that our salvation has nothing to do with our behavior, and that's a fact. When you stand before God to be judged, righteousness that is saving has nothing to do with your performance. Uh, the gospel is believe and receive, not behave and be saved. And if we properly understand grace, that changes how we view salvation. But that does not and should not lead to a perver perverted understanding of the holiness that God calls his believers to live out on a day-to-day -day basis. And that to, to say, well, grace is good so I can live however I want, the Bible speaks clearly to that. That's like saying, Jesus, who's hanging there bleeding naked on the cross to pay for my sins, hey, could I throw one more up there for you while you're there? And to, to, to say that, Paul says, certainly not. That, that is not the, the, the rationale of someone who truly understands that our salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ as he hung there dying. The true life of worship says, I, I want to live in a way that pleases God. Grace shouldn't lead to a, a more sinful life. It should lead to a less sinful life as we are so transformed by the Savior who loved us and set us free. And yes, legalism is a problem, but so is this idea that we have license and to do whatever we want because our bill's already been paid for in full. And, and, and the, the, the tragic lie of, 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 of that is that it leads to a different kind of bondage. You know, religious bondage, legalism, is not the only kind of bondage. There's also bondage to sin because whoever chooses to sin becomes the slave of sin. And that's why Paul ended the epistle to the Galatians, which is a radical declaration of independence from legalism where, where you make rules about what movies you watch and who you date and all this and you think that makes you somehow better standing before God and he said no way we're off the chain if you think circumcision makes you holy then what do you go cut yourself all the way off right Paul was pretty personal about it but 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 here's the thing he ended that with a warning about the other side of the pendulum and look what it says in Galatians chapter 5 it says it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. What is he saying? He's saying what you do with your liberty can put you back into captivity. So the lie that says, I can do whatever I want because I'm saved and I'm set free, so I can just do whatever I want, however I want to do it. I'm young, I can be free, have a good time. These are my young years. That's why I moved from Ohio to L.A. to just sort of like find myself and be on my journey and do whatever I want. I'm going to get it all out of my system. And yeah, eventually I want to clean up, and then I'll want all that God has for me, all that Christ died for me to experience. Not understanding that you don't get anything out of your system by doing it. That's how you get it in your system. Yeah. And to say to yourself, I'm going to be one day this great husband. I'm going to be one day this great grandfather. I'm going to be one day this righteous man or woman of God. And I'm going to set myself up for that by loading up my system with sin. Hello, the Bible says what a man sows, the same he shall reap. You don't sow wild oats and then not reap wild things. You don't sow death and reap life. You don't sow sin and reap blessing. And the pushback, I get it. I can even hear inside of your head. Some of you are saying to me, you're crazy because I'll just ask God to forgive me down the road, and he will. You're not going to get argument from me on that. Of course he'll forgive you. But did no one ever tell you? God would much rather be blessing you and using you than forgiving you.
So you can't do what you want and have what God wants because every time you choose to sin, you're choosing to suffer. Scripture says clearly, this is the Galatians again, every man must shoulder his own pack. In life, what you're living, you're loading. And what you're loading, you're going to have to lug. So if you live right, you'll lug less later. You can protect your future if you live carefully right now. You don't have to keep putting more wicked things into your life that you'll then have to deal with down the road. You could choose to honor God. Now, it's hard. It's difficult. Why? Because now yells louder. But hear me clearly. Later lasts longer. And I came on behalf of future you to say, hey, live for God. Look up. Swipe right. You won't regret it. Now, there's one last lie that we got to expose because I'm sure right about now it's popping up in some of your minds. And that's because the enemy is a liar. And what he's trying to pop up in your head right now is this. You've already messed up, so there's no hope for you. I've, I've been preaching this sermon for a long time. And um, I've heard a lot of reactions to it. But one of the most common is regret and heartache. And people look at me. And here we, we live in a day that's the, the day of the fatherless home. And, and many, even Christian parents, don't teach this to their kids because they feel they have no moral authority because they didn't live it out. And they don't feel equipped to speak on a plan that they didn't themselves adhere to. And so, so often I, 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 I will hear people and they'll write into me and they'll, they'll say, I wish I'd have heard this sermon 10 years ago. I wish I'd have heard this sermon 10 weeks ago. I wish I'd have heard this sermon anytime before last night about 11 p.m. Hello. I had a woman one time, 70 years old. I preached this in Dallas, and she grabbed my hand. Big old Baptist church, 6,000-seat room. She comes up to me right afterwards, charges down to the front pew where I was standing in a suit. Use your imagination. And she said, she grabbed my hand. She said, if I'd have heard this message 50 years ago, you would have saved me 50 years of regret. And I wonder if the, the devil's not even in your mind trying to get you just to think, well, there's no hope. I can't go back. So whatever, I'll just... Do what I do. And I think I have to apologize on behalf of the Christian culture that has praised virginity to a fault as like the thing. That if you don't have your V card, you're nothing. You're damaged goods. You're chewed gum. If you don't have the story that says, I waited till I was married. Now, is that a great story? Yes. If, if, you're, if you've never made any of those mistakes, hey, that's fantastic. Keep going. But I think so many of us feel like, well, okay, well, I did look at porn. I did sleep with him. I did sleep with her and her and her and her and him and her. And I did this. So, so what for me? But what did pretty woman teach us? <laughs> that's what they're all asking. Pretty woman taught us you can have sex with someone without even kissing them. And what did Jesus teach us? You can have sex with someone without even sleeping with them. So none of us can say, I have this perfect story. None of us can say, I've done this all right. It's all grace. It's all mercy. And as the gospel stands, we are not defined by our failures. We are defined by his forgiveness. And he who has been forgiven much can love much. And yes, it would be better if we could go back and not do what we did. It would have been better if we could have lived for Christ the whole time. And that's what we should do from this day forward, from this moment forward, from this hour forward. Because the moment he illuminates us, the moment he gives us that revelation, we got to rise up from the pigsty and run to the Father 
Father, so he can put the robe on our shoulders and the ring on our finger and kill the fatted calf. We can rise up as chosen. We can rise up as called. We can rise up as loved. We can rise up as equipped. And I just call you, Zoe Church, to say, from this day forward, I'm going to honor God. From this day forward, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him work with the consequences. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be just like one decision. You'll have to keep making it and keep making it and keep making it. But if that's what's in your heart, come on, rise up on your feet and ask God for the light that can purify, the light that can transform, the light that can change. His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. Come on, let there be light. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.